Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the JWB Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Justin. He's Wyatt. Wyatt's feeling a little bit under the weather this week, so I'll take over with some primary hosting duties just to switch it up for the week. Wyatt, how you feeling? Little, little, little bit burnt out. I don't know if I would say under the weather exactly, but just, just kind of burnt out right now. What do you think that's due to? A lot of COVID-related issues and stress of managing teams. This has been a lot more difficult this year than it is on most years. Yeah, you know, the combination of real-life work and fantasy work, you know, can get to you sometimes. I feel you. I'm with it. So uh, that's fine. I'm happy to step in, do a little bit of hosting. Let's roll through some quick hitters on news here. Uh, we'll play We'll play a game. Wyatt, we'll call it news or nothing. I'll give you a headline, and you tell me if it's news or nothing. So first and foremost, it looks like Fitzpatrick is going to head to the bench for what is going to be a bye week. And then here next week, we'll see the debut of Tua as the starting quarterback for the Dolphins. Well, you basically just served me up a fastball right down the plate because this is obviously news. Uh, it's big news, really. Uh, it's kind of weird timing because Fitzpatrick has been playing very well. Um, they sat him at the end of the game, but it was a blowout. So Tua could get a couple of reps in. Um I don't really know what to make of it. I feel like there's probably something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, that this is happening either like this was planned all along, they were going to sit him, you know, coming out of the bye week, or maybe a trade could be on the, the radar. What do you think? Yeah, so actually this is an area where I can give you a little bit of insight being as I am in the South Florida area and hear a lot of the local radio and the discussions on this front. The prevailing take is that uh, they've actually known that Tua was going to be the starting quarterback for quite some time uh, and have just been looking to ease him into this bye week so that they could go according to plan and bring him out. Um, this move and the reason why he was in for like the end of a drive this past weekend was just to solidify that he is in fact ready to go and let him get an on the field look before they fully unleash him. Uh, the, the prevailing train of thought is that if there would have been a preseason this year, Tua would have started from week one and Fitzpatrick would have been a mentor. Uh, but since there was no preseason, they chose to go with Fitzpatrick at first and the Dolphins have actually played so well. And Fitzpatrick has played so well that at three and three or three and two, whatever they are at the moment and uh, a chance to really, challenge the Bills for this division, since the Bills are coming into a tough part of their schedule, uh, they decided that, you know, like with Fitzpatrick, we could be a playoff team. With Tua, we could be a playoff team. With Tua, we could also be more than just your run-of-the-mill playoff team. So the decision has been made to go ahead and go for it now. Um, I like it. I, I think the, the biggest question here is what does it do for guys like Gaskin and Parker and Williams? What do you think on that front? I think – season long it could be great for everyone uh although i'll say it's harder it's hard to play better than what ryan fitzpatrick was already doing um i will probably downgrade everybody in the offense just slightly coming out of their bye because i'm 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 the type of person who wants to see something first before i I'll, i'll believe it but i absolutely believe that after that first game we could be saying that they're back right where they were and maybe even slightly higher I'm kind of with you there on that take. So moving on, uh, Janu is going to be questionable for this week after leaving the game early this past week. This is a pretty big game that's coming up against the Steelers. I don't know how high you were on him going up against the Steelers in the first place. I'm basically just going to be really high in Janu no matter what. One, because tight end is just, you know, a wasteland. So having somebody like Janu on your roster, you, you don't have a choice. You're playing him without a doubt. Um, but I also think that he's a must-start anyways just because of the way the offense runs and how they value the tight end and how good Janu is and how good Brian Tannehill is playing. I mean, if he's healthy, it's hard not to play him against the Steelers, even if the Steelers have good defense. All right, so we'll put that one in the category of news then for sure. Obviously, with the point that we're recording this, we don't know exactly what the status is on his health, so monitor Janu going forward if you have him on your team. Uh, next up, news or nothing. Miles Sanders most likely not going to make it for a Thursday night game this week against the Giants. That's going to line up guys like Boston Scott and Corey Clement for a potential streaming spot start. I think it's a little bit of both. It's only news because he could miss this game. But it sounds to me like he's going to be fine after that. And maybe it's just because of a short week that he's going to miss time. So it's also a little bit of nothing. 
So uh, let's stay on that game. Ertz is going to miss three to four weeks, and I have a hard time thinking that Goddard's going to make it back for a Thursday night game as well. So let's say that there's no Sanders, no Ertz, no Goddard. Altogether, is that news? I think it's news for Fulgham, which he's proving that he seems to be the new like go-to receiver in the offense. I mean, you'd have to think that going into this game, if it's just Fulgham, like – what is he? How many targets is he going to see? Fifteen. Yeah, who else could possibly see him? I mean, you're right, Scott and Clement out of the backfield to a certain extent, but at some point you have to push the ball downfield, and he may be the only option they have to really work with. Uh, yeah, I mean, John Hightower is there, but like he's just a deep threat, and nothing else, and he's just a placeholder for Jalen Rager. Uh, so Mark Ingram is banged up. I don't know how much that'll matter because they have a bye week this week anyway. So we're looking at them potentially coming out two weeks from now and maybe using Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins. I think this is nothing for two reasons. One, you weren't playing Mark Ingram anyway. Like he is barely even on rosters at this point because of that mess. And two, because of the bye week, he might just be fine. So I'm just not even paying attention. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there on that one. Uh, and then last one as far as injuries go, news or nothing. Mostert's going to go on the IR. So he was there. He looked good. He went away. McKinnon looked good. Jeff Wilson looked okay. He came back and looked good. Now he's gone again. Definitely news. Sucks to see him go. He's been playing really well. Better than I thought he was going to play. And he was dominating the touches more so than I thought he would. Um It'll be interesting to see what happens in this backfield now because they started to incorporate uh, Jamichael Hasty in this last game, although it was kind of in you know the garbage time end of the game when they were just trying to seal the game up and it was basically over. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think McKinnon's going to be the guy who gets the bulk of the work because we've seen it already, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jamichael Hasty starts to find out a, find a role here. Now, do you remember when he requested a trade prior to the season if he got paid off of that request? He did. They threw like an extra million on his yearly contract. That's good. I mean, it's, it always worries me when you see like the Dak situation where they don't get the payday and then they get hurt. So hopefully he comes back, you know, ready to go at some point. Uh, and then two more. I think I know where we're headed here. So we'll put these both together. News or nothing. John Ross once out of the Bengals. David Njoku for the second time once out of the Browns. Yeah, a lot of nothing. I mean, these guys don't actually matter for the fantasy landscape. And also, I'll throw out there that uh, David Njoku came out on Twitter and said that he'd never requested a trade. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder how that kind of leaked out there, in a sense, if he says he has nothing to do with it. I think just as Browns fans, we'll stay tuned to see what happens with that particular storyline. Um, all right, let's jump into some recaps. Let's look at what happened last week and see if we have some major takeaways from these games. Let's start with the 38-7 to drubbing of the Browns at the hands of the Pittsburgh Steelers. What say you? Yeah, the Browns just didn't even show up for this game. Honestly, they looked terrible. The The defense looked decent to start. They, you know, they held Pittsburgh to three points on that first drive, and then Baker threw a pick six that was just one of the worst throws I've ever seen, and it was all downhill from there. Uh, the big takeaway I thought for this game was that Chase Claypool continues to be a large part of this offense, and I think that we can just trust him as like a wide receiver too at this point. So I agree with that. Chase Claypool is massive, and he is faster than I thought he was. He looks to me every bit like a star wide receiver in the making, so I have a lot more faith in him uh, than I had previously had in the past couple weeks. James Washington, though, real or not real? A semi? Uh James Washington's been a player who's had his moments when given the chance, but Deontay Johnson wasn't in this game. My guess is that when Deontay Johnson's back, that James Washington is the number four receiver on the team, and you know he'll get a couple deep shots here and there, but nothing reliable. And does Baker create such a liability in the passing game that we can no longer play any facets of the Browns' passing offense? I'm not going to go that far because we've seen Baker have these ups and downs like this. Um, I don't want to say it was his ribs because I thought he just wasn't reading the field at all, and that was the real problem here. I, I think once he threw that first pick six, he, he probably got inside his own head and everything just spiraled down from there. And, I mean, give credit where credit is due. Pittsburgh played an outstanding game on defense. Yeah, that's true. Let me tell you something that I am starting to think more and more about Baker in a really unfortunate way. Um, I had told you prior to this week that, you know, this prevailing school of thought that the Steelers were going to be able to stuff the run game and force the Browns to pass the ball. Thus, guys like Landry and Beckham should see 
some work was not how I was feeling. Uh, and I kind of got some clarity on why I felt that way. Um, so I heard the term used, and I'm buying into this very heavily, that Baker is what we call a Polaroid quarterback, that he comes to the line and he goes under center and he looks at the defense and boom, there is his Polaroid snapshot of what the defense is. Then he goes to drop back and what was two high safeties becomes one in the box and one high. He does not account for that, throws the ball right over the middle of the field where everybody in the world except for Baker can see Mika Fitzpatrick waiting to take back a pick six. Uh, and that is not the first time that I've had that sort of complaint on Baker. I'm just starting to get the words to go with it that he might not be the guy who I want him to be. Uh, and I worry because I hate to say like, Maybe he can't see over the offensive line to correctly make these reads. But I really think, Wyatt, that we have to monitor this now going forward. If they can't bounce back against the Bengals the way that they did from that week two Thursday night game, right? This is the same situation. We come off of a drubbing against the Ravens, go up against the Bengals, and the passing offense shines. If we don't see that this week, I think there's serious, serious cause for concern. Um, Let's go ahead and jump forward now to the Texans and the Titans. I thought this was absolutely the game of the week with the Titans coming up with a 42-36 win. Derrick Henry looking absolutely amazing in this game, just on another level right now. And the Texans really showing some fight after the coaching change. What were your big takeaways? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for me was just how Deshaun Watson and that Houston Texans offense built upon what they did last week and put up another great showing. I mean... And it seems like the Texans' defense is going to allow them to have these huge fantasy days because the defense can't stop anybody, and Deshaun Watson's going to have to put the team on his back and continue to do this. Um, and also, A.J. Brown is just the man. He really is. I, I, I'm with you very much that I'm starting to believe a little more in the Texans' passing attack. Uh, Cooks and Fuller are really starting to come around in the past couple of weeks, and we had made the comment previously why in former episodes uh, that when there's major coaching changes like this, we almost want to hit the reset button and treat it as if it's week one. So if we now look at just this week and last week as the only two games the Texans have played, there'd be no cause for concern with Cooks or Fuller at all. And that's how I'm trying to view them right now going forward. Um, on the other side, I think Tennessee has really emerged as one of the best teams in the league for me, Wyatt. And I think that we are hitting a point where, much like we've said about other offenses, Tannehill, Henry, Smith, and Brown, we just plug them in and we let them go. And I'm not even paying attention anymore to what matchup they have. Yeah, I completely agree. We were we were higher on the Titans than a lot of people going in the league. A lot of people thought, oh, they're way too efficient. Ryan Tannehill can't duplicate this. But we kind of looked at that offense and diagnosed like what they were doing and believed in the system and, and how they were performing, and it's really coming true. Yeah. Next up, we got the Colts and a big comeback victory, 31-27 to over the Bengals. What did you see? First, I, I think it's pretty crazy that old noodle arm Phillip Rivers managed to throw for 371 yards even against the Bengals. And then, in a game where Philip Rivers throws for 371 yards and three touchdowns, T.Y. Hilton is a ghost. Yeah, he's just completely dead in this offense at this point. That's one of the things that I was going to ask you is, what are we doing with Pascal and now with Trey Burton, apparently, who are starting to come on as the most reliable options in this offense? Any trust in Philip Rivers enough to really look at either of these guys if you have to? I trust Trey Burton on a like streaming radar, but you have to keep in mind that Philip Rivers threw the ball 44 times, and if the Colts have anything to say about it, he's not throwing it more than 30 in any given week. How am I feeling about Jonathan Taylor? He's had a lot of games where it goes just right to where I want him to go, but is not really hitting these ceilings that people are saying he ought to. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is really frustrating because he's not putting up quite the numbers you thought you'd be getting, but I also think that these Colts games recently have not gone the way that we thought they would or with the way the Colts thought they would. And Jonathan Taylor's kind of being left out a little bit because Philip Rivers is having to throw more than, than they want. And lastly, we had a pretty good AJ Green sighting in this game, real or not real. A little bit of both. I, I kind of want to believe that AJ Green is such a good receiver that he's just now getting his, his timing with Joe Burrow. You know, maybe it just took a little bit Maybe also last game, we saw him on the sideline with a lot of frustration. Maybe he had a come-to-Jesus moment or something like that. Yeah, I feel you. I'm hoping, too. It would be nice to see him put together a good season. This is one of the first games where I really looked at the box score for the Bengals and thought, like, nice, that's what I'm trying to see. Higgins with a good game. Green with a good game. Boyd with a serviceable game, even though he goes banged up 
for parts of this game. Like, they really hit on all cylinders where I wanted them to, and they did it in a game that they lost. So I think it's it's nice to know that their performance in the win-loss column is not going to affect these guys from a fantasy perspective. Uh, next, we got the Falcons, 40-23 to 23 over the Vikings. How disappointing were the Vikings in this game, especially thinking that Alexander Madison was going to walk in and really – you know, carry the water for this team the way that Dalvin Cook had. And the Falcons, that fabled week after you get rid of your coach, even they put up a lead that they were unable to surrender when push came to shove. Uh, what did you think about this one? I think there's a lot for this game. First off, obviously, Alexander Madison, like, I think we all had him as a top 10 running back, maybe even top five coming this week. Like, the fantasy universe had him there and just massively disappointing game because – Kirk Cousins had such a bad first half. Justin Jefferson with another huge game. Uh, I have to believe he's, without a doubt, a wide receiver too at this point, like minimum, like the way he's playing. And if Minnesota's continuously be bad and be in these catch-up situations, he's going to keep seeing targets. And then on Atlanta's side, we see what Julio Jones does for that offense. When he is there, he opens up everything else for everyone. Yeah, Ridley in the end zone again. Russell Gage was able to convert all four targets thrown his direction. So was Hayden Hurst, one for a touchdown. Uh, Gurley was a little bit of a mess in this game, but that's okay. Uh, we can tolerate him having a mad game since I think at every three-game stretch, he's going to do, you know, two well, one meh is the way it seems to be going, and that's okay for a running back, too. Um, I do think, honestly, I think really that M Madison was just a product of game script here. Like, it just wasn't working well. There wasn't a lot of opportunity for them to pound the ball and get him involved the way that they really, really wanted to. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. They're one of the teams that are on a bye week. I think full expectation is Dalvin Cook's going to be back for everybody by the time we hit week eight. Yeah, sounds like it. So now maybe my favorite game of the week. The Broncos kick their way to an 18-12 win over the Patriots. Are there any takeaways for this game? My inclination, Wyatt, is to look at this and go, you're garbage. You didn't get in the end zone. The Patriots were really out of sync with Cam Newton missing time from COVID and then having games rescheduled and moved around. It's almost like I just want to toss this whole game out. Well, you really love to watch the Patriots lose, huh? I do. <laughs> I do. Very much. Uh, the two things uh, for me that stood out were one that Philip Lindsay ran very well against a very good run defense from the Patriots, and that Tim Patrick had another hundred yard games uh, game for the for the Broncos. Uh, I think Tim Patrick is like working himself into like possible flex consideration, and I think when Melvin Gordon gets back, we're probably going to see that fifty fifty split again for Lindsay. Um, Do you think he's coming back? Uh, it, I don't know. I mean, there's rumblings of the suspension, but we haven't heard anything yet, so I have to act as though he'll be back. I don't see him coming back anytime soon. I'm actually quite worried about that. I think maybe at most he plays one more game before he gets suspended. Uh, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if something happens and he gets released outright. It just never seems to go well with the DUI situation. It's just a bad spot to be in for him. So it's really unfortunate, but I do think Lindsay, Lindsay did. Lindsay was probably the one bright shining star of this game from a fantasy perspective. So we'll see if they're able to continue that over into next week. Um, the prison inmate game of the week, the giants somehow come out 20 to 19 winners on top of football team. Anything we care about in this game? There really isn't much to talk about with these two teams. I mean, I expected both teams to struggle that's what we got. Um, it's nice to see that Terry McLaurin still got 12 targets. I mean, there there are some highlights out there of Kyle Allen um, just ignoring wide-open receivers so he can just chuck it at McLaurin. So that's nice. It is nice. It is really nice. And I think that's the one takeaway I have from this game, Wyatt, is that if you're going to throw the ball 42 times a game in a competitive game where it kind of demands that you run the ball and establish yourself – then maybe Kyle Allen is worth streaming in certain circumstances and McLaurin might be worth going after in certain circumstances. That's wild. 42 passing attempts out of Kyle Allen coming up off the bench and then off injury. Like I, I did not expect him to throw that anywhere near that many, many times in this game. Yeah. Next up, we got Ravens over Eagles 30 to 28. Ravens went up pretty early 
right? We saw what we expect to see from them. It was pretty much Lamar Jackson and nothing else we care about outside of Mark Andrews. And the Eagles somehow fought their way back in this game. Fulgham, I thought, did look pretty good. Wentz is still not a guy who I'm interested in playing, but he performed well in the second half of this game. What would you make of it? I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there about Wentz. I kind of am back on him. Um, I hate it because it's so bad, but he just keeps putting up fantasy points. A lot of it is just because he's like running way more than he did in the past, and he's having a lot of success with it. But I'm kind of back on him on like streaming radar. Uh, I agree with you about Fulgham. I like the way he looks right now. I think he's probably just going to be the wide receiver one for that team moving forward. I mean, I don't know why you would make like Alshon Jeffrey back as your wide receiver one on this offense because he's not really doing anything for you after this year, if anything, this year. And, you know, not much to talk about on Ravens' side. Like you said, they got up early. They did their thing. Lamar Jackson had 100 yards rushing, which is great because you haven't had a game like that from him yet. But, like, they just kind of did what they normally do, had low-volume passing and distributed the ball to all their running backs. Next up, Chicago goes on the road, goes to 5-1, and one, taking over the NFC North with a 23-16 win at Carolina. Nick Foles... One touchdown, one interception in every game he plays. <laughs> David Montgomery and DJ Moore continue to duke it out for title of which one wants to make us look more ridiculous for our preseason pronostications, prognostications, however the hell you say that word. Uh, I, what do you think, man? Like I, This game in and of itself, right? Like The quarterbacks are... You're going to stream them when maybe you want to, but there's not a ton to see here. Allen Robinson is who he is. But DJ Moore and David Montgomery continue to be the question marks. Can we play him or not play him? It's not looking any better. I'm staying by him, but you just have to know what you're getting into. I, I don't want anybody to think that they're getting, you know, wide receiver running back one from them. It's just, it's not going to happen. Um, David Montgomery did have a touchdown overturned that then Nick Foles ran in. So if he has that touchdown, we're probably having a different conversation about him. Also, I think we need to realize that the Panthers' defense just isn't actually as bad as we thought. The pass defense has been fairly good all season long, but the running defense is starting to come around. So I don't think we can always look at them as the smash play week in and week out. For the best running backs, yeah, they should have fantastic days. But against these like middling running backs, I think they can hold them down. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Now, I, I joke there a bit, but I really do still like David Montgomery. I mean, he's got five yeah. targets along with 19 carries in this game, and I'm not seeing that kind of volume out of most people. Like, I, I do think that we are hitting a point where maybe when the matchup is, is decent to good, I want Daryl Henderson or Miles Gaskin ahead of Montgomery, but we're hitting that part of the season where injuries and buys are going to start massively plaguing everybody. I think there's a lot of value in Montgomery at this point. Uh, and same with Moore, man. Like, I, again, I know I joke, but he did see 11 targets in this game. And this is the first game, if I'm not mistaken, where he more than doubled what we saw from Robbie Anderson, right? Anderson was efficient. He caught four of the five targets that he got. He just didn't have the big catch or touchdown that he has previously had. We got DJ Moore getting 11 looks in this game. It's only five for 93, which doesn't really make you, like, thrilled with the guy you took in the second or third round. But I still have hope here that long-term this is going to pan out really well. Yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking that there's going to be good things for both of these guys moving forward. All right. In what I thought was going to be a much more competitive game, the Lions 34-16 over the Jags, putting up their second win of the year. Stafford and Minshew, who were both very popular streaming options for last week, had very iffy games. 230 out of Stafford, 240 out of Minshew. Both had one touchdown, one interception. It was kind of hit or miss at various points. Uh, James Robinson had his first real not good-looking game of the year. Galladay continues to look amazing. I think the big storyline, if you can elaborate, is what could be now the emergence of DeAndre Swift. And we are hitting a point of the year, Wyatt, where we're seeing a lot of rookies show that they're caught up to speed and off they go. Do you think that's what we're seeing out of Swift? I do think that's what's happening. I, I'm not sure how much they're going to hand over the keys to DeAndre Swift yet. I mean, even in this game, he didn't lead the Detroit team in uh, in carries. Adrian Peterson still had 15. But 
you can tell that he's just the best running back on the roster. Maybe they were just monitoring his touches to start the season to make sure that he was okay. But, I mean, how do you not start to feed this guy after this game? Now, DeAndre Swift might not be a 20-touch every week running back. He might only be a 15-touch a week running back. But 15 touches for DeAndre Swift could be just enough. I do agree with that. And in all likelihood, if you drafted him, his value is so low that you are just holding on to him and he's just sitting there. So maybe you got a chance to keep an eye on it this week. And if you've got somebody else on a buy, he can work his way in for you and potentially do some damage. Um, anything else here that caught your eye? I mean, I know that even though it wasn't the greatest game, massive amount of targets to Shark. That's always good to see. Yeah, I mean, you love to see someone getting that many targets. You hate to see that he only was able to catch half of them, and it was only for 45 yards. You know, it's a pretty bad day, honestly, considering. Um, but we're going to get games out of Minshew like this sometimes. You know, like, we like Minshew a lot. Uh, a lot of that has to do with how much we expect him to pass over the course of the year. But we have to remember that he's con not considered a top talent for a reason. Like, he's going to have games like this where he just kind of implodes. All right, and now in the week's most emotional game, 24 nothing, pitching the first shutout of the year, the Miami fighting Fitzpatricks. <laughs> and what could be, Wyatt, his final pass in the NFL, pull out a victory over the New York flopping Adam Gases. Anything here that we can pull out given that this is the last time we'll see this version of the Dolphins offense before a bye week in Tua. First off, I don't think Fitz is done. I'll never believe that that man is done. He loves football too much. I, I bet he's passing somewhere next year so he can get another revenge game on his on his docket. Um, probably the only thing of importance here is that Miles Gaskin continues to play really well and just dominate all the touches in that backfield. I mean, what is he? He's got to be nearing like top 15 range for rest of season, right? Yeah, I really am a, just a believer in that offense being good enough and him being good enough, especially now that we're seeing he's getting the goal line work, that he's a guy you should make an aggressive play to get him now if you have a hole at running back. Um, anywhere in your top three guys that you're worried about, I do absolutely love him. Uh, worth mentioning again, he just never stops, even with Joe Flacco behind center. Jamison Crowder with another 13 targets, seven catches for 48. This is another guy where I think if you've got a hole and you need some stability, you are you could probably get Crowder for next to nothing just because he plays for the Jets. But uh, that's what it is. Now, really interesting game here. Bucks dominate the Packers 38-10. to 10. What did you think of this mess? Yeah, this I, I actually watched most of this game, and uh, I thought it was interesting because Rodgers came out like on the first drive and was killing it. And then... He came out for his second drive, threw that pick six, and then the bottom fell out. And this the game was over, essentially, at that point. He stopped Yo, playing well. Yo, hot take. He quit. Yeah, I would I would have to believe. Yeah, I mean, like, I have to agree. He, it looked bad. He, he Aaron Rodgers has got kind of a weird personality that, like, he has this sort of, like, I don't care. Like, I am so glad that you said that because that's one of the things I really wanted to harp on for this game is I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is above just shutting off to send a message to the rest of the team and the coaching staff. Like, I don't know. And it, and it's, it was his fault. Like, it wasn't as if they were dropped balls or other awful things that were going on. He just flipped off, and that was the end of it, and it was absolutely fascinating. Well, I have some ridiculous stuff for you, and I'm curious if you have ever heard this. It, did you know that both Tannehill and Derek Carr have more fourth quarter comebacks in their career than Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> no, that is one of the best bar stats I've ever heard. Aaron Rodgers, when he is losing a game at any point, even if it's just by one point in the first quarter, has a sub 500 record. His win percentage is about 477 when the Packers are losing at any point. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are winning almost two-thirds of their games when their team is behind at some point, right? Like, w Russell Wilson, with a much longer career than those guys, is winning about 59 to 60% of the games where at some point, Seattle is behind, right? Like, Mahomes was behind in the Super Bowl last year, and we saw him come back. Like, Roethlisberger, who's been playing for God knows how long, 
53% of the time that the Steelers are behind, he comes back and wins that game. Tim Tebow has the exact same 53% <laughs> winning percentage when his team is behind. Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks that you will find on the list of guys who are sub 500 when the team is behind at any point in the game. And it's really, really starting to worry me that just the normal ebbs and flows of this offense are going to cause these massive spikes that hurt your fantasy team. And now I can't get it out of my head that we have all this faith at the offense. And then you look back and you're like, yeah, I mean, the Vikings have proven to not be the defense we thought they were in week one when you trounced the Vikings. Like, congratulations, you did it to the Lions. Like, the Packers don't really have a whole lot of good defenses on their schedule that they've put up numbers against. We see them play what is admittedly an elite defense at this point in Tampa Bay. Uh, and the wheels just totally came off, man. I, I thought it was crazy. Um, let's switch gears for a little bit. So I, I, I have to say, even though it's not fantasy relevant, and I don't get a chance to watch him play four quarters all the time, but my God, Levante David is so good. I mean, yeah. he honestly, he might, he might be like one step behind Aaron Donald for best defensive player in the league. It's incredible the impact that he has on games. It was nice to be able to watch him work in full flow. Uh, on the offensive side, two guys that really stood out here, Gronkowski getting some targets, some catches and a touchdown, and Ronald Jones, who I know had a wonderful week. It's just still a question of when Fournette comes back, does he do this again? What do you think about these two? For, for Ronald Jones, um, I like him a good bit, but you're right. I, I want to see him do this kind of, performance with Fournette healthy and on the field uh with Rob Gronkowski um I think we're starting to see that connection come back a little bit Gronk is not going to be old Gronk don't get used to games like this or think that like he looked brand new or like he like he used to like he's still slow but what he can still do is box people out and he's got a great connection with Tom Brady the touchdown that he caught Brady basically just threw to a spot that he knew Gronk would get to and Gronk uh, boxed out his defender and caught it like it was it was like it was you know six years textbook ago. yeah well I think that's kind of why this is becoming such a thing because we know that OJ Howard is now gone so somebody's got to fill that void there and the way things are going at tight end this year man with Higby being a wreck and you know one week somebody's good and then they're awful for three more weeks it, listen if Gronk's gonna move to a four catch 60 yard floor he's gotta become a top 10 tight end again right yeah, unfortunately for tight end, that is mm -hmm. pretty good. I would take 10 points at a tight end in a PPR league with a shot you could catch a touchdown right away, the way it's been for me at this point. Uh, so we do. I think we got to monitor that going forward. Um, and then Sunday night, the Rams, pretty iffy performance against the Niners. Uh, Jimmy G looked absolutely great, 24-16 for the Niners with a divisional win there to keep themselves relevant going forward. Anything in particular outside of the Mostert injury – that you really saw in this game with games like this. I think it's sometimes hard to dissect everything properly, you know, divisional game in prime time. They're never quite as they normally are. So like seeing Jared Goff have such a bad day against a defense that, you know, has been missing guys and hasn't been playing at the strength that it has in the past. It makes me think that this is just one of those games. You kind of have to throw away for Jared Goff is Cooper cup dropped what two touchdowns in this game like things just weren't clicking for them here i i hate to do that with certain games but like to me this is almost just a throwaway for the rams yeah i'm actually very comfortable with that i would advocate that people go out and try to get daryl henderson cooper cup and robert woods now before they have another good game and the value goes high again. Um, the question has always been target and work for the receivers in particular. And now we've seen a couple of different scenarios, Wyatt. We've seen when the Rams are winning and when the Rams are losing, the targets really are going to Cup and Woods in a way that it appears to be sustainable. Ten for Woods in this game, nine for Cup, and as always, one of them is somehow involved in the run game, especially Woods. Uh, so it's interesting to see there. My other big takeaway is that I, I think Malcolm Brown is dead. Daryl Henderson is absolutely the back to move forward with as far as the Rams are concerned. In this game, when the Rams weren't even playing well, he was still able to give you 88 yards on 14 carries, uh, and that is, is half decent. So I like what I'm seeing from him enough to think that he can be a uh, RB2 for me on a lot of teams that are banged up or having buy concerns. 
Yeah, I'm still just a little bit worried about Daryl Henderson just because of, I can't get out of my head that Sean McVay said it was going to be a week-to-week and even game-to-game scenario for the running back backfield. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny how much work he's seeing. On the other side of the ball, real quick, I think one thing unfortunate, as the team gets healthier, Ayuk's work goes down. So I saw some flashes of what he may be at the end of this year or next year, uh, but it looks like for the time being, it's still just going to be Debo Samuel's offense to just run through him for everything. Is that another guy where we just have to play him regardless of matchup? I don't know if I want to say that exactly, because I don't think that this offense is rolling the quite the way it was last year. Um but I think he should always be on your flex radar for sure. Um, I would say he's somewhere in that wide receiver three range rest of the season. Okay. Uh, let's talk Monday night and what I hope becomes a constant Monday night, five o'clock time slot. What a wonderful nice. moment for a game. Uh, the Chiefs really made the Bills look bad, I thought, which was expected. Anytime a team comes off an embarrassing performance like they did against the Raiders the week before, I do expect them to bounce back in a real big fashion, cue the Browns for this particular week. Um, but I thought this was really good. I saw what I wanted to see out of Edwards Hilaire prior to Le'Veon Bell suiting up. I think Le'Veon Bell at best spells Edwards Hilaire until he proves otherwise. Uh, the passing game still looks just fine to me. I'm not worried about Hill only seeing three targets on the day. It's just kind of a product of the way that that game was going. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I have heard a whole lot about how good – MVP candidate Josh Allen is, and he looked miserable to me in this game, Wyatt. He couldn't find a throw. There, Sure, he threw the picks, and I know everybody's talking about the picks, but I saw more than a few instances where he had open guys like on the sideline, and just the throws were nowhere near where they needed to be. I heard the excuse that this was from a wet ball and from conditions. Are we buying that for a guy who's from Wyoming and plays in wet conditions all the time? Before I talk, talk about the fancy, I want to give a quick shout out to the third member of the JWP team, uh, our friend Matt, who does some writing on our website. Um, me and him, we, we worked together on some sports betting. He texted me about this game before the game. He diagnosed it perfectly, said that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to run the ball down their throat and told me to take Chiefs in the points and parlay it with the under, and I did. So he, he, he killed it on that one. But yeah, um, I've actually heard that uh, the rain does not affect – a quarterback throwing the ball as much as you think it would because of the gloves these days that everybody has. And it's really wind that throws off the passing game. I think Josh Allen just was Josh Allen. I mean, we kind of know that we already know that he's not always going to be the most accurate quarterback and he missed a bunch of throws. In addition to that, one other note here that in the return of Zach Moss, it effectively turned Singletary back into the pumpkin. We thought he might be, uh, the 10 carries on 32 yards is not as alarming as the fact that if Zach Moss is not healthy, that 10 carries is probably 15 or 16. And then maybe we see something out of Singletary. I also thought it was really interesting that when under pressure, Josh Allen is now more often resorting to running it himself instead of checking down to either of those backs, which further limits the ceiling there. So I'm really, really out on Buffalo's running game at the moment. Yeah, I'm with you there. And then lastly, Andy Dalton returns in an absolutely awful, spectacularly awful fashion. 38-10, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals just destroyed what's left of the Cowboys at this point. Um, I don't know that I want to talk too much about Dallas, man. I, I, you know, Zeke fumbled a lot, and it limited his opportunity to do much more the rest of the game. The offensive line, right from the word go, continued to take even more injuries. And I think that they were dead on arrival with those offensive line injuries. There will be better days for this Cowboys offense, but I suggest maybe we give it a week before we really dissect them. Let's focus more on the Cardinals instead. Uh, it was kind of an iffy start. And then all of a sudden, almost out of nowhere, Kyler turned it on and they went crazy. And then Kenyon Drake came back in a big way with a huge second half, second half effort in this game. What'd you make of the personnel for the Cardinals? Yeah, it's, it is a really weird game. You look at the box score Murray, nine completions on 24 attempts, but it was for 188 yards and two touchdowns. It's just a kind of a weird game. Um, Dallas defense is just so bad, man. Like, if there was going to be a get-right game for Kenyon Drake, this was it. And it was. So now we have to kind of see if 
Chase Edmonds is able to come back or if it's going to continue to be a question mark between these two. Um, just what I don't like is I haven't seen enough where they both look good, and that's what bugs me. You know, sometimes I can see that Ingram and Kamara backfield where they look okay when need be, uh, but I'm other than the exception of maybe one game against the Jets, if I remember correctly, e- either one of them has a good game or they both have terrible games, but never do they both get off at once, and that's been a bit of an issue. Now, yeah, that's basically been the case. So let's uh, let's go ahead and do some previewing for next week just to make sure everybody's on the same page here. Teams on a bye. Indianapolis Colts. So no T.Y. Hilton, no Jonathan Taylor. You can't stream Phillip Rivers. The Dolphins on a bye. No Miles Gaskin, no Devontae Parker, no Mike Kosicki. Minnesota on a bye. That means that people are going to lose Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Uh, no chance to use Cook or Madison this week. And finally, Baltimore's on a bye. So we have a huge hole at quarterback for people who own Lamar Jackson and likely don't have a great second option behind him. We can't use Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, or any of those people in the run game. So as we go through here, Wyatt, try and pinpoint, if you can, a couple of places where someone who might not normally be in flex consideration may be in a good matchup if the they happen to be on your bench and you got to use them. So Thursday night, the Giants are going to go on the road to the Eagles, who should be throwing to Fulgham in some scout team receivers. Yeah, maybe some Greg Ward action going on. Uh, believe okay. it or not, even with that, all that, I really like Carson Wentz for this game. The Giants actually have a pretty good run defense. Uh, so I expect Wentz to have to throw for the Eagles to have to move the ball at all. Um, so I think he's actually going to have a pretty good game here. But as always, I'm not touching the Giants. Does that mean we're not too worried about picking up Boston Scott or Corey Clement to try and play them this week? I have to imagine that Boston Scott is going to be the most popular running back pickup of the week because he will be the guy who is at the top of the projected points list in most ESPN or Yahoo leagues when people go to see, oh, who can I play this week and who can I get in free agency? Uh, are you sitting out on him? Um, depending if you need a running back for this week, like if you're, if you've been struggling to find your RB two or you're dealing with injuries, like I have no problem going out and getting Boston Scott and plugging him in there. But like, I, I would be worried about his overall production. Hopefully he gets enough in the, in the passing game that he makes up for it. But like, I'm not expecting him to have this great game just because Miles Sanders is out. So next up, we got the Bengals and the Browns. This time, the Bengals will be the home team, traditional Sunday game, as opposed to the Thursday game we saw in week two. Now, last time these two teams played, we saw A.J. Green with a bunch of targets that he could not convert. Any expectation that he's able to convert those targets this time around? I'm a little bit more encouraged um, after this last game, seeing A.J. Green actually have a good stat line that he might be able to. Um, in the first game, he had plenty of looks and plenty of opportunities. They just weren't able to connect. So maybe this is the final game where, you know, A.J. Green gets in the end zone. I think as well that guys like Boyd, Higgins, very playable in this matchup. The Browns haven't shown much of propensity to stop people in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, I like the Bengals to pass a lot here. So, yeah. On the other side, uh, we know that Kareem Hunt had a great game against the Bengals last time they met, and that was with a healthy Nick Chubb. So I think he absolutely is playable. Don't be discouraged by what you saw from the Steelers this weekend. Uh, And I don't know, man, I told you, I'm starting to be very out on the Browns' passing offense, but we did see that after they were terrible against Baltimore, they had a get-right game against Cincinnati. Do they do it again a second time, or do you think the fact that these two teams have now played twice in five weeks means the Bengals will be equipped to stop them? I would not be surprised if the Bengals show up for this game better than they did previously, but I'm a sucker for OBJ, so he's going to be in my lineups. Yeah, it's all death to you two part at this point. Uh, next up, we have the Lions going on the road to the Falcons. This game screams of use all your offensive weapons to me. I'm sure no one is considering sitting guys like Gurley, Ridley, Jones, Galladay, the quarterbacks are playable in this matchup. So let's instead focus on uh, Russell Gage as a bye week fill-in and DeAndre Swift. Where are you at with those two? Uh, I would definitely play DeAndre Swift if he's on my roster for this game. The Falcons have actually been decent against running backs, but have been bad against uh, receiving running backs. And we know that DeAndre Swift does that quite well. Uh, And, Russell Gage, I think, is absolutely worthy of consideration for your flex spot if you're dealing with some injuries or some bye weeks. 
we've seen it week in and week out that Matt Ryan's going to throw the ball a lot. And when Julio Jones is there, it kind of opens everything up for everybody. So I wouldn't be surprised if Gage has a solid game here. Yeah, I like both of those takes. What about Hawkinson? Because of the tight end landscape, Hawkinson's like borderline tight end one every week in and week out. Yeah, so and especially against the Falcons. Probably the same with Hurst on the other side. I suppose the Lions are not going to be particularly good at stopping the tight end. Yeah, like we kind of already talked about in this show already. Like if you're a tight end who's going to get six targets, like you're probably a tight end one. That's true. Uh, all right, so now my favorite game. Steelers are going to go on the road to the Titans for a game that I expect to be very, very fiery. Not just because these teams have good records, but I do expect the Steelers to carry some animosity into this game over almost unjustified feelings of slight due to the COVID loss of bye week that they've suffered at the hands of the Titans. So we know you're going to play your running backs, right? If Connor makes it through the week healthy, he's in there. Henry's in there. There's no question that either of these quarterbacks are perfectly fine to play at any point. Let's assume that Deontay Johnson gets back on the field for this game, which it seems like he, he will. What do you think of the Steelers offense? You've got Juju, Washington, Johnson, and now Claypool. Put them in order. I would go Claypool, Johnson, Juju. That's wild that Claypool already is at the top there. Why do you have Johnson ahead of Juju? I don't think Juju is even going to be on this team after this season. Um, he's basically just not a part of this offense. Like, I thought this was going to be his big bounce-back game because he had had a couple weeks where he didn't do much, and the Browns were bad against receivers over the middle of the field, and he just wasn't even a part of the offense. Like, the, those routes started going to other people. I, I think the Steelers are ready to move on from him. I think they know that he's not who they thought he was going to be. Juju needs a dominant number one to succeed. We've kind of seen it. And Ben's just relying on the other guys, and they're playing better. Next, the Panthers are going to go on the road to the Saints. The Saints are coming off their bye week. We've seen DJ Moore emerge in terms of targets the past couple weeks. Is that going to continue against the Saints? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure where Marshawn Lattimore is going to line up, although he has not been playing the same as he has in the past. I kind of feel like New Orleans is going to play keep away in this game um, using Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. We should get Michael Thomas back, which will help that offense really move the ball. Maybe. I, I guess I'm just I'm a little bit worried for the Panthers receivers in this matchup, but you would still expect them to see, you know, eight to ten targets each. So they gotta be playable at that point. I mean, if you're telling me that Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are gonna see eight to ten targets, uh, they have to be in my lineup. I can't imagine there's better options than those two. Uh same with Mike Davis. We're playing him every week at this point. On the other side of the ball, I say maybe in regards to Michael Thomas, just because if you are not watching closely at home, this dispute that he has going on internally with the organization is not getting any better. We've seen it boil over in practice. We've seen it boil over in public. At last check, if you go to Michael Thomas's page on Twitter, there is not a single mention of New Orleans or the Saints anywhere. It is literally just high school and Ohio State photos for him at this point. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised, Wyatt, if he ends up not playing for non-football related reasons. Obviously, if he's not suited up, we'll know about it in advance. But something is going on there, and I think it's – it's more than just casual meets the eye. He's banged up. He didn't play. They punished him for one game sort of scenario. I think there's real issues there. If he suits up, I can't imagine Breeze is the type of guy to punish the rest of the team and to punish the offense by not throwing him the ball. Do you think it's possible that Peyton would put him out there and make him run tough decoy routes that he is not the target of? I, I don't know. That seems pretty petty. Um, not that it won't happen but I mean yeah I said he should play because he should but you're right this is kind of a mess on behind the scenes and then since everybody has so many injuries and bye weeks to account for this week we saw Emmanuel Sanders come on pretty strong two weeks ago prior to the bye week if Michael Thomas plays what are you doing with Sanders if Michael Thomas doesn't play what are you doing with Sanders 
If he plays, I won't play another receiver on that team. If he doesn't play, I would basically treat Manuel Sanders and Traquan Smith in the same that they'd be flex considerations. All right, next up, the Buffalo Bills will have their bye week on the road against the Jets here. Anything to alarm you about the Bills, or are we just rolling them out in full force? I would just roll them out. I had no worries against the Jets. The, you know, worst team in football. Can I play Devin Singletary? This should be a week where you can. I mean, I would. Can I play John Brown? That'll be interesting because he's still dealing with that injury. He didn't really see any work in this Kansas City game, but yeah, none. maybe right. Cole Beasley instead. That's what was going to be my next question. Can I play Cole Beasley even if John Brown seems okay? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, you kind of made fun of me a couple weeks ago for mentioning his name, but, I mean, we're seeing it in action. Yeah, it's frustrating. I don't know why Cole Beasley annoys me, but he sometimes does. <laughs> uh, okay, Dallas will go on the road to play football team. My God, is Andy Dalton going to get this thing figured out this week? I hope so for the sake of all the fantasy options that everybody was enjoying on this team that he, you know, that this first week was just, you know, he, he's not quite there yet. Uh, all right, let's structure this one a little bit differently instead of just order them. Absolutely play them, evaluate your options, try to bench them. One, two, three. Play, evaluate, bench. Amari Cooper. Play. Michael Gallup. Evaluate your options. CeeDee Lamb. Play. Ezekiel Elliott. Play. Tony Pollard. Bench him. Dalton Schultz. Evaluate your options. Oof, I'm not with that one. I think Schultz is Dalton's favorite target already. Um, Wyatt, I think everything you said I would take one step back on, if I'm being honest. I don't have any faith that they're going to figure it out. Uh, the stuff that came out of Dallas today, being as that game was just played last night, is abysmal. Is there any chance that you got to look at the news clippings there? Uh, yeah, I, I did see that. My God, you have people inside. It is wide. It's week seven. You have people inside the organization, players going to the press unnamed to say, we didn't have a game plan. We don't trust the coaching staff. Did you see the one quote, the one quote where an unnamed Cowboys player said, these guys are just bad at their job when referring <laughs> yeah, to the coaching I, staff? I, I did. <laughs> yes. That's really alarming because they are not good on defense. Their offensive line is not going to get any healthier. And I kind of think that football teams should have Dalton running for his life throughout this game. I, I was going to say that I would not be surprised if Washington comes out and wins this game. I think you're absolutely right about that. I actually think that in terms of streaming or in DFS options, that football team might be your best value buy of defense on this entire week. They should absolutely have sacks, let alone turnovers and potential touchdown throughout we'll see how it goes but i'm really really worried about there not being enough opportunity to go around for any of these guys it's one thing if dalton's going to throw the ball 30 times and complete 24 passes it's another thing if dalton's going to throw the ball 32 times and complete 17 of those and they're getting stretched out with some to schultz some to lamb some to Gallup, some to cooper it's not enough for anybody to eat effectively and that makes me really nervous on the other side should I be trying to stream Kyle Allen this week, knowing how bad this defense is? I don't want to stream him in in uh, redraft, but I am keeping an eye on him for DFS because he is pretty cheap. What's going on with Antonio Gibson? Why am I not seeing enough of him on the box score from last week? You know, I think Washington just trusts J.D. McKissick as their third down back more than Antonio Gibson. So that's why you see Antonio Gibson uh, basically splitting work. But, you know... You know he's the goal line back. Even though he's splitting work, he's still seeing uh, work in the passing game. So I'm not terribly concerned. You know, he's still touching the ball nearly 15 times a game. So, you know, I'm, I'm not overreacting. So last game of the 1 o'clock window, the Packers will go on the road to the Texans. I am, again, a firm believer that after a team suffers an embarrassing national TV blowout, uh, that they come back very strong the following week. I do think that all Packers options are playable in this game. That's also a facet of the Texans having just given up a ton of points to the Titans and in general being the type of defense where we're happy to play most people against them. One word of caution. Please check sites like Fantasy Pros, for example, that do the – 
week seven primer where they talk about matchups. Uh, look at articles by, I think it's Mike Clay, if you have ESPN Plus, that talk about wide receiver cornerback matchups. If Devontae Adams is still kind of meh on the injury front and draws Bradley Roby, I could be taking a little step back on Devontae Adams for the week. But I do think the Packers as a whole should come out and be able to put up a ton of points in this game. On the flip side, Wyatt, like I said, I'm trying to look as if this is a reset here, and I've only seen Cooks, Fuller, Watson for two weeks, and they've looked great. So I'm happy to play all of those options. And I'm assuming that if I have David Johnson, I probably don't have backs that are better than him. So I think it's just all systems go here. Yeah, I, I basically I just play play everybody. Uh, this is probably one of the few games uh, for this week that could actually go over like sixty total points. So I want everyone here. Next game up is going to be another one of the potential game of the week games here. Seattle will be on the road to Arizona. I think this is the same situation we just talked about. We're going to go ahead and play everybody. I feel good about Carson Wilson. Lockett even, obviously Metcalf. On the other side, I know I want Hopkins. If I have Drake, I got to roll with him still. Murray is all systems go. Uh, and if I'm looking at my team, Wyatt, and I'm seeing a big hole at running back, and I'm thinking maybe I got to put Chase Edmonds in, I've seen enough from him prior to last week that if you got to roll him out there, I still feel good about it. We on the same page here? Yeah, I think, you know, bi-week fill-ins, both Chase Edmonds and Christian Kirk are good options here. Yeah, I didn't think about Christian Kirk, but he is really starting to cement himself a good role uh, in that offense. After that, another good one. Chiefs are going to go on the road to the Broncos. Divisional games are always pretty tough. Broncos defense has started to kind of look a little bit better than they did at the very beginning of the year when it was iffy. What are you thinking about the options for the Chiefs in this game? I'm just still going with, you know, your normal plays. You know, the big four over there. I'm not going to trust... Uh... Meikle Hardman or Demarcus Robinson or anything like that. Uh, we thought we'd get some Meikle love this week because Sammy Watkins was out, and then he like ran the least amount of routes, you know, outside of Byron Pringle for that offense. So, you know, you got, <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that? Um, on Denver, though, uh, as you alluded to before, we have to see what's going on with Melvin Gordon. Uh, either way, I think I like Philip Lindsay a little bit. Um, because even if Melvin Gordon comes back, maybe get uh, Philip Lindsay is still the guy. Probably happy playing Patrick here too. Yeah, I mean Kansas City has a decent uh, pass defense, but you would expect Denver to be playing from behind the whole time, so it might not matter. And then lastly, the most traded person in all of America right now. Almost every league that I'm in, someone's making a full-blown effort to pick up Le'Veon Bell. Uh, just today, Wyatt, in one of the leagues, a move where Le'Veon Bell and Tim Patrick were packaged together and set for David Johnson went through. People are clamoring to get him and play him. Should we be excited about Bell? I don't know if excited is the word. Um, I'm interested. If there's an offense they can go to that will utilize him properly, it's probably the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but CEH is coming off of 160 yards rushing. So are they going to immediately give a bunch of his work to Le'Veon Bell? I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm taking a, a small step back on CEH for this week while we see what happens with Le'Veon Bell, but I'm not getting my hopes up for Bell yet. Yeah, I couldn't be less interested in Le'Veon Bell, in all honesty. I posed that question just because I have seen him moved around a lot in various leagues, but I'm thinking of him like I think of LaShawn McCoy in the Bucks, which is not even on the radar. Uh, next, the Niners are going to go on the road to Patriots. It's an interesting game. Maybe the guys who we would be looking at are Jarek McKinnon, Debo Samuel, then on the other side, Damian Harris, Nikhil Harry, any of those guys striking you as real good options for flexing somebody if you need to? Well, as I talked about before, I like Debo Samuel as an every week option at, at flex, but I kind of feel that this game is going to be an ugly defensive battle. Um, unless Cam Newton can really get his stuff together against this San Francisco defense that looks better than it did before. I don't know. I, I, I get the feeling that this game is going to be not a lot of offense. and I, I'm i kind of ranking everybody a little bit lower than I normally would, except for George Kittle. George Kittle will always be at the top. Okay. So maybe then on the flip side of that, 
Here's a very interesting game that I think could have a ton of potential playable options. Let's go through some personnel in Jaguars on the road at Chargers. Let's go one through four, Wyatt. Four being absolutely play them, one being bench them, and three and two, you got a couple options in the middle that you can choose from. One through four, Gardner Minshew. Two. Justin Herbert. Three. Really? Yeah, I'm kind of ahead on Herbert at this point. I might even go four just because I really love yeah, what I've seen out of him so far. It's like a 3.6. Okay, James Robinson. Uh, three. Justin Jackson? Three. Kelly? One? Yeah, right? Like, mm-hmm. Kelly is kind of falling apart in if, terms of being able to put in, like, fantasy statistics. Unless he falls point. in the end zone, I, I don't think he's going to have anything. Yeah. Mike Williams? Two, because I want to see where Keenan Allen's at, but I expect Keenan Allen to be back. Um, so I'm going to downgrade Mike Williams a little bit. You don't think he's got the chance to catch that huge deep ball at some point? I mean, he's always got the chance, but he also has the chance to have one catch for 20 yards, and that be it. Hunter Henry? Four. Okay. LaVisca Cheneau? Two. Why so low? Uh, it's because of the Chargers' defensive backfield. And uh, they might be getting um, Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram back, yes. Yeah, I read the same thing. It does look like he could be back for this game. You think that'll have a huge impact on Shark? I I think that Melvin Ingram just has an overall impact on the Chargers defense being way better. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. Like, do you think it's enough to maybe take this enthusiasm on Shark having a bunch of targets and temper that? I mean, I think we should be worried about the Jacksonville passing offense just in general in this game just because – the Chargers' defensive makeup. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about the Bucs and the Raiders. This will be the Sunday night game this week. Pretty interesting. I think you got a lot of very cool storylines. Arians, Gruden, Brady, Gronk after last week. Raiders coming off a bye. They've looked pretty good. Remember, we've alluded to before that the Raiders have a much sneakier secondary than you might give them credit for. I know that, you know, Godwins and Evans are just guys – that you almost have to play no matter what, but should I be worried about either of them? Um, I would definitely be worried about Mike Evans in general. If you look at his stat lines when Godwin is in the game, I think he has something like a total of like 30 receiving yards between all the games in which Godwin has been healthy. Uh, he's made up for it with wow. some touchdowns, but... You really is a not... touchdown. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's going to be very iffy. Um you always play Godwin. I, I would never take Godwin out. I mean, you're not pumped with the game you just had from him, but then you realize he, uh, he had seven targets out of 27 pass attempts. Like, you, you, you have to be encouraged by that. Um, I honestly think the Buccaneers are going to destroy the destroy the Raiders this week. I, I'm not I'm not looking forward to anyone on Vegas. Even if Josh Jacobs, like, he's probably no more than an RB two in this week. Yeah, I was going to ask you if smart people ought to sit him for this particular week and just recognize that the Bucks have a legitimate elite defense at this point. No passing options you want to go for? You don't think Ruggs might have a chance of giving you a sustainable effort here? You're playing Waller just because tight end sucks. Um, but, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he shut down too. I, mm-hmm. Like, Levante David could just be all, all over him all game. And... I mean, Levante David could help stop Josh Jacobs too. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm. I wouldn't sit Josh Jacobs just because um, if they ever get near the goal line, you know, they they're looking his way, um, and he's just very good. But yeah, I mean, just you you shouldn't be expecting those 15, 20 point games from Jacobs this week. Be expecting like 10, 12. Well, like let's say that I took Aaron Jones and Josh Jacobs towards the end of the first round, and I'm sitting on a guy like Daryl Henderson or Justin Jackson, who I had picked up late. Could I try and work one of those guys in instead? In a PPR league, can Justin Jackson easily outscore Josh Jacobs in this particular week? Assuming in this team that flexing one of them is not an option, um, I would not start Justin Jackson over Josh Jacobs. But at the end of the week, if Justin Jackson had more points, I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be floored by it. Yeah, just I'm kind of with you. you. You know, Justin Jackson, what's his ceiling compared to Josh Jacobs, even a tough matchup? Josh Jacobs might fall into the end zone two times. 
Yeah, from nowhere. It's always true. You always have a good possibility like that. Um, speaking of falling into the end zone two times, let's say Leonard Fournette is uh, healthy, and we know that leading up to the week. What are we doing with the Bucks backfield? I will play Ronald Jones as a low-end RB2. I won't play Leonard Fournette. And I'm going to monitor their touches and snaps closely. All right, let's finish up. Monday night, Chicago Bears head out to Los Angeles to play the Rams. What do you think? I think that this is going to be a game where there's not a lot of offense again. The Bears defense is really back in form. It's looking very good. The Rams have become a running team. I could see this end up being like a knockout, drag out 2017 point game. Um, always play Allen Robinson. You basically have to keep sticking with Dave Montgomery because of the touches he's getting. He's, you know, he's touching the ball over 20 times a game and he's involved in the passing game on the Rams side. I'm still playing Cooper cup and Robert Woods, although they're like low end wide receiver, two options this week against Chicago. Um, and then you can start Daryl Henderson, I think as a back end RB two, just based on volume, but, uh, I would not get my hopes up. Okay. I'm kind of on the exact same page for this game. So I'm with you right there. We'll, we'll see how it goes. It'll definitely be an interesting week here. We're hitting about that halfway point now before everybody leads into the playoffs. So we hope it's going well for everybody. As always, feel free to hit us up with any uh, DM messages with questions that you may have about players or decisions, or just in general, find us on Twitter. Uh, the show is at JWB underscore FF. I am at JWill underscore FF and he's at Wyatt B underscore FF. Thank you for listening. As always, everybody, have a great week seven. We'll see you next week.